Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am the football Grump, and with me, as always, is the Cranky Fan. What's up, Grump? Long, uh, long draft weekend. Long draft weekend. A lot of work. A lot of TV. A lot of pizza. Sounds like normal. Yeah. So neither one of us uh, picked a, a single pick. Not one of us <laughs> got anything right. But not to worry because most beat writers didn't either. Well, the more you, uh, the more you analyze, and the more you review the draft, the less you know. It's you know, we said it last week. If you, you know, you never know when the run's going to happen on a position. You never know when that trade is going to happen. What's going to muck up the whole system? And you know, we knew there was going to be a quarterback run at some point where they reach, and it happened. Um, you know, starting with Chicago, so that kind of dropped people a lot further than we thought they were, but just not far enough to help the Giants out. Um, like like I said last week, this was going to be confusing because there was no clear quarterback thing, and it, and it just sort of mucks up everything. And, and this one, as it got into the second and third rounds, the picks were kind of going where we expected, but instead of people falling, like teams were, there was more trades in this draft than I ever remember. Yeah, and especially for non-surefire picks too. I mean, you have your blockbusters where you're going to get a guy like a, you know, a Jared Goff, where we know is going to be, I think, a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. But everybody was so over the board with uh, Trubisky that's, you know, or even a guy like Deshaun Watson. You don't know if this guy was a, a top five pick or scraping the bottom of the, of the first round. It's just it happens every year. These teams, they they panic when the quarterback position comes up and they just feel like they got to jump in. And then everybody else just follows suit. Yeah. Um, and hats off to Cleveland for sticking with their board and taking Miles Garrett. That's going to pay off in the long run for them. I think they had the most interesting draft of anybody because they potentially got, you know, they got the best guy on their board. They got a potential quarterback. They took a bit of a risk, but they may have their quarterback. And they also got a guy in Caleb Brantley who, before the whole thing with him punching out a woman, allegedly, you know, was a borderline first, second round draft pick. And they got him in the sixth round. So it could, it could be a feast or famine draft for them, but it could pay a lot of dividends. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into Caleb Brantley. I uh, heard some news about him. We'll get into him a little bit later. But let's run through what the Giants did. So with the 23rd pick, the first round, the Giants selected Evan Ingram, tied him from Old Miss. He is a player that I highlighted, um, and this is what I had written about him when we covered tight ends. Uh, a willing but ineffective blocker in the run game, plays in line, out wide, and in the slot, but is much more like a big wide receiver than a tight end. He's fast, who runs deep routes well. He knows a lot of routes, high points the ball, and has athletic leaping ability, and can also run short and intermediate routes to found, find soft spots in coverage and fights through tackles. With, with, with Evan Ingram at 6'3", 235, I'm not entirely sure that they addressed the tight end position so much as they addressed this position that they've never, ever had, which is the mismatch guy position. Um, he's drawn a lot of comparisons to Jordan Reed, and as somebody who watched Jordan Reed for years, do you see that comparison at all? Uh, definitely, and the Jordan Reed um, comparison, I think, is held more in the NFL than it did in college when he was at UF. Uh, he was an effective tight end, a, a, more, a blocking tight end as well as a nice uh, you know, receiving tight end, but he really blossomed since he's been at Washington. It's more that guy where you just can't defend him, just creating all these different mismatches, and you know, quite frankly, if Ingram is, I think I said to you over the weekend, if he's 90% of what Jordan Reed is, I'm very, very happy. You know, I, I know we wanted to address the tight end, you know, position for, you know, 
run blocking as well as his catching. But, you know, it all depends on what is this offense trying to do. I mean, this offense is never going to be a ground and pound running game offense first. I mean, as long as Eli is still going to be here and is still as effective, and as long as we have an Odell Beckham, and as long as, you know, even having Brandon Marshall in, in the fold, this is going to be try to be a big play down the field passing team. And, you know, you, really from number to number, we never had that guy who can run down the seam and create mismatches before. You know, I, I mean, can you say Jeremy Shockey even was that type of guy? No. No, not really. So this is something that, you know, it's worked within the division. We've seen it be effective with Jordan Reed, you know, and, and we're trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I had said that I could see the Giants targeting Zay Jones to be the, the tall, like, number three wide receiver in the second round. Taking 6'3", Evan Ingram is a little bit more in the middle. Uh, he does a lot of what Zay Jones would contribute to the offense. He would be able to start right away, I would think. Um but he also he's a mismatch guy. He's he's fast. He actually ran a faster forty than Odell Beckham. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that means too much. No, I think I think a lot of what Beckham does is his quickness in and out of routes is what allows him to win. What I have noticed about Ingram since now now that he's officially a giant, I've watched more and more tape of him rather than you know him and every other tight end in the draft i really focused on him and what he does well and what he doesn't do well and he is a little bit clunky with his route running he's gonna need to work on that if you, if i mean i know he's at old miss and there's not a whole lot of firepower on that offense so he was pretty much it well um, they had they had chad kelly yeah who was you know who was pretty much regarded in a kind of a weak conference but still the best quarterback in the SEC last year. So that is interesting, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I do think he sucks, but well, he doesn't suck. I think he just had you know he very a lot of immaturity issues, and that's why he dropped so far in the draft. I think he had some accuracy issues too, and I, that's a lot of what I saw with Evan Ingram. He was kind of getting turned all around and stuff, trying to catch the ball, and he wasn't mm-hmm. really getting hit in stride. So you didn't really see a whole lot of what Eli is going to offer him. If he, Eli, right. Eli will hit him in stride, and he'll do it well. He's got to be ready for right. it. Um, right. But he's got a lot of wasted movement, I think, in his route running that he's going to need to clean up a little bit. But, I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think people, you know, the reaction on Twitter and people I'm friends with on Facebook, way over the top. You know, I, I saw after round one, we need to fire Reese. And, I, you know, and I took the bait. I'm like, why? It's like, well, he doesn't block. I'm like, well, first of all, that's an idiotic argument for any one pick on anybody. But, you know. When you're talking about guys that are mocked anywhere from, you know, mid, you know, late first round to mid second round, you're not talking that much difference in skill set between tight end A, tight end B, tight end C. And you guys have to relax, you know, just you've never seen this guy play, I guarantee. You might have seen just some random YouTube highlights. You know, just just chill. <laughs> That's just my and I'm going to say this coming out down the rest of the draft like, "Oh, why didn't we take you know, Zach Cunningham was available. We got this guy. It's like, you know, we're not talking the, the, the biggest difference in talent level. Didn't necessitate saying this draft is a failure or Reese failed and should be fired. So I, I wanted to throw that out there now before we get too deep into this. Yeah, I, all throughout the draft, starting with pick one and ending in pick six, there was that reaction with every single one. Yeah. Um, we're not going to be able to truly grade this draft for another three years and i say that good or bad uh he Mm -hmm. could he could be stellar this year and then have david wilson syndrome the next year and you know have a herniated disc and never play again 
Will exactly. he be a bust then? Absolutely. But is it anyone's fault? No. Well, but, well, think about the think about the Eli trade. Even remember, we, oh, we gave up. Like Shane Merriman was an All Pro after his second year, and it was like Eli was, you know, not a very good starter at the time. And people were like, "Did we get fleeced on this trade?" Well, you know, a, a, a PED suspension later, Merriman's out of the league, and I think it's safe to say everybody will say that Eli won. I mean, the Giants won that trade. So you you have to give these things some time. Yeah, I'm not going to do any draft grading on this show for no. for no. I mean, we might do one for 3 years ago and then do it every year. We'll, we'll Sure. We could do that, but I'm not going to I'm not going to grade this draft now. I'm not going to grade any team's draft right now. What I will say is I was a little puzzled with Ruben Foster still on the board. I thought that he could have been he he had fallen way further than I expected. And I think he could have been an immediate contributor and stayed with the team down the line. I had addressed that linebacker depth was a serious concern of mine going forward. Um, I'm not going to say it was a total head-scratcher that he wasn't picked over Evan Ingram, but I I do think that if I were the one making the pick, I would have picked Ruben Foster. 31 teams also made the same move, too. So I think it was the 49ers traded up to take him. Right, right. So It could have been. I, I mean... I think that's a valid argument people can make one position over another in a in a draft pick. But you know, I I, I think to say like, oh, they should have traded up to get O.J. Howard when instead they they sell for for Ingram. You know, I, I think that's a silly argument and very short sighted. You know, again, I think a lot of people who really follow most people who follow the draft start paying attention to college players two to three weeks before the draft, and most of what they see is their highlight YouTube clip. They don't do the analysis. I, I know the Grump. I was, you know, this weekend we were at a bar watching, and he's pulling up, you know, every single play that the guy plays in these different games and stuff. That's a lot bigger analysis than just here's your, you know, your little highlight package you see after a draft pick. So yeah. with the thirty uh, second because, intro and the thirty right. second outro. Yeah, just because you heard, uh, you know, uh, the guys in ESPN, you know, say like, oh, you know, this guy, I love this guy. All you know are these buzzword names you hear. So. Give the giant front office, you know, give Reese, give the the scouting department a little credit that they know a little more than you do when evaluating talent. I'm I'm happy with the pick, and I I also don't think that he compares to OJ Howard in a way. Uh, like I when I wrote about him months ago was that he's more like a big wide receiver than like a tight end. He's a mismatch guy. OJ Howard is an all around tight end. I don't think they necessarily compare apples to apples anyway. Um, and I'm glad the Giants didn't surrender any picks in the first round. Yes, I, I am too. I, you know, to to move up one or two spots would have been, you know, what was the price? And nobody was willing to say what that price would be. It's like, oh, you should trade up to get OJ Howard, or you know, trade up to get you know X, Y, or Z. It's like, well, at what cost? You know, is there any incremental value to trade up for OJ Howard and losing a pick or two? I, I I don't think it was a smart move to do. If there was somebody that was clearly like their number two or three guy on their board, and he had slipped all the way to sixteen, maybe you consider it, but. I, I don't. I don't think there was something. And I, I think at that point you're talking about Leonard Fournette. You know what I mean? It's going to take somebody like him falling to within their reach to trade up. Right now, last year you guys said something about Laramie Tunzel. Why did he drop so much? You may want to consider because I'm pretty sure, you know, he might have been you know one of the top two or three guys on their board. But again, that was an overreaction panic that everybody in the league had too. So. Um, my, my question about Ingram is what happens on the field? I mean, if they're going to still put in a tight end or two as a blocking tight end, you're not going to have him and Shepard and Beckham and Marshall on the field at the same time. So 
I think you're going to see guys like, you know, Shepard not playing every down. And it's going to be interesting how that rotation is going to shake out. You think so? Well, I mean, think about it. If you're going to have Ellison back blocking, you're going to have four wide receivers and a tight end or, you know, where, where they have empty backfield. I mean, how are they going to do that? I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I, I'm not saying that um, Ingram and Ellison are going to share this field, though. I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying they won't have both of them out there. I, I don't know. But I think there mm-hmm. is a possibility that if they're if they're going up tempo and um, they feel like they have a, a game plan weakness that they can exploit using Ingram, I think that they're just going to run the 11 set with Ingram. And he's so the thing is, is I know he doesn't block well and he's going to need to, but he all he really needs to do is want to be able to block. He's he is a willing yeah. blocker as long as he's able to be deceptive enough where they don't know that he's always running out for a route. Um, that that'll be good enough, I think. Yeah, I mean, for, people for are, year let's, one. Let's not get crazy either. It's not like he's a just a, a a turnstile where people just blow right by him. I mean, college tight ends are a little different in in college here in the NFL, where they are primarily pass catchers, and they are guys that are drafted this high up are usually the first or second option in a, in a passing offense. This is completely different now in the NFL, where you have an Odell Beckham, you have a Brandon Marshall, and even you have a Sterling Shepard where, you know, he's not going to be that first option. He's going to be relied on to block more. So he will work on that skill more than he would have needed to in college. Yeah. Moving forward to the second round, the Giants selected Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle from Alabama. Um, I didn't even review him because I had known that he had two prior ACL injuries, and I thought he was going to be completely off the Giants board, mainly because I, I would have thought that he would went higher than they were willing to take a guy with that kind of injury history and it did not seem to be the case uh, but in any case Dalvin Tomlinson is 6'3", 312. he's a good run stuffer he has a good motor um, all three of the Giants top picks scored very high on the Wonderlook test they're high intelligence guys and they all interviewed very well um, Dalvin Tomlinson is one of those guys he also has good size and strength um, however his pass rush seems to be limited to pretty much just bull rushing I think that a guy like this is a decent replacement for Hankins for right now. We'll see in a couple of years how much further that goes. I think having the advantage, we said this on prior shows, having snacks next to you can elevate your game quite a bit because the way he just devours half the line with his size. How wide is he? He's three what? 312. It's pretty big. Okay. It's pretty big. So you got a couple of uh, mountains in the middle right now, so... I, I mean, I've said it. I've said it multiple times too. Spags is going to want to stop the run first, always. Right. So, the Giants are also seeing a team that kind of takes their strengths and they just try to multiply their strengths. So, I didn't have a problem with this pick either. Again, if you're looking at positions, you know, it was the one. It's the one spot in the defense where we lost our starter from last year, and it had to be addressed. And you know, again, if they were true to their board, he was their best defensive tackle available. So. Sure. I heard a lot of complaints that Zach Cunningham was on the board here. I I said it multiple times. I was not very high on Cunningham. I don't like the way he tackles. I think in the NFL, he's going to get bulldozed a little bit, and his strength is really mainly in coverage. I think selecting Dalvin Tomlinson was a better move. Yeah, I, I agree. I Again, you, with these boards, they have their guys, they said, but they must. Be, I think they have a line to say at this some point, we're not taking this guy over somebody else either. So um, I, I had no problem with passing on Cunningham. I know there's some people outraged that, you know, we need a tight, we need a linebacker, we need a linebacker. Well, you know something? You need a defensive tackle too, and it's probably, like you said, just as important in the scheme we're trying to run. Yep. 
This one I think we're going to spend a little bit of time on. Uh, in the third round, the Giants selected Davis Webb, quarterback from Cal. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned him, I guess, two, three shows ago, and I said I wasn't the greatest fan of his. Uh, you know, I watched quite a bit of Cal games because of uh, marital obligations, I guess you could say. But, um, you know, it's an, a very prolific offense Cal had. You know, they're, they're, the wide receiver got drafted early in the, the third round. I'm not sure. The Jets took him, right? Jets took him, yeah. I mean, they put a lot of points on the board. They gave up a, a billion points. But, you know, it's one of those things. The third round, it's one of those brackish water areas where if you want to take a risk, you're not blowing your entire draft by doing it. In a, in a draft where there is no clear-cut guy for the Giants to take to be the heir apparent of Eli, I think you can take a shot right now, you know, and, and see what happens with him if he develops over the next couple of years. We get two more years out of Eli, and this guy's not ready we go back into the uh, into the draft and we get our successor. If this guy shows like he's coming along after two years, you know, and, and Eli's ready to hang it up, then you bring him in there and you see what happens. So we said this before. I think we talked about it over the weekend, you know, off off show. Free agency is where you plug your holes for the immediate need. And the draft is where you think long term. And this is obviously a long term pick. We made the pick pretty high in the third round, but we'll have to see. You know, to be determined in the next couple of years if this was a good move or not. I uh, was initially pretty upset about this, and then I thought better of it, and I was excited and happy about it because this this guy did have first round buzz on him, late first round buzz, uh, and then I remained neutral about it because I remembered that there's there's nothing that we're going to see of him for another couple of years anyway. What we see now, what we saw last year, is not going to be the same guy. He's going to have a couple years in the meeting rooms behind a Super Bowl winning quarterback with great coaching staff um, and, truthfully speaking, a quarterback-friendly offense. So I did do a write-up on him when we did quarterbacks. I did say he had good mechanics and he stays calm in the pocket. Um, Staying calm in the pocket, by the way, is something you can't teach. You either have it or you don't. So Mm -hmm. that's good. Um, I said that his accuracy was a little bit inconsistent, but he had good downfield accuracy. He can move in the pocket, but is not necessarily mobile. Um, and that he has good arm strength, good touch, and a decent fastball. Uh, sounds like uh, sounds like our current quarterback right now. It does. Uh, the what what it doesn't sound like uh, is that he did a lot of one look reads. He didn't go through a ton of progressions in either Texas Tech or Cal's offense. Um, and he sometimes makes bad decisions when the one read isn't there. So he's going to have to learn that. But I, I of all the quarterbacks in the league to learn that behind uh Eli is one of the best in my opinion for that. I'm okay with this. I and uh, I'm I'm happy about the pick in terms of value. You know, I I don't think the Giants were shooting for necessarily a quarterback this year. I think they were willing to see how the draft fell. And I uh, uh, an arguable first second round talent fell to them in the third round. I'm okay with them taking it. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I don't think they were fishing for the replacement. I think he just kind of fell into their lap. And at some point, again, I think the third round is one of those places where you can start doing that and say, you know, let's let's make the move. So, you know, again, this is one of those. This is gonna be very difficult to people who want to grade a draft. You know, on Thursday night and Friday and Saturday, this is a draft you're not gonna be able to grade four or five years down the road to see what happens with this quarterback pick. So. I wouldn't even say it's that's such a huge investment. I mean, if, again, a third round pick isn't a second round pick or a first round pick. Where, you know, you're if a first round pick bombs, if you have a you know a, an Achilles Smith type of quarterback who just is a complete failure, it sets your franchise back a couple of years. You know, this is a you know a little bit of an edgy pick, but not an 
an all chips in type of pick and it's not going to set the franchise back. Let me ask you something like what's his name? Um, guy from Syracuse are back up for a couple of years. Uh, Ryan Nassib. Nassib. He was a fourth round, round pick. pick. Fourth round pick. The fourth. Giants traded up to get him though. But traded up to. So it was maybe a fourth round pick, but there was more value invested in him. And, you know, would you say it's a wasted pick? I think it's different. I think you're comparing apples and oranges because you're looking at Eli's career in two different times. And I think Ryan Nassib was drafted to be a value chip to trade away later. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't work out that way. But this, I think, Davis Webb, you're looking at a legitimate chance to be a successor. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think you can compare the value there because I think they're two different things, even though they're both quarterbacks. Gotcha. You make a decent enough point. I mean, it, it's it's not a significant investment. And the Giants have, have a roster that's good enough now where a third-round pick doesn't have to be a starter. You know, the, the question is going to be, in the depth chart this year, what happens? Because now we have four quarterbacks out there. I mean, do you keep a Geno Smith? Even, like, after – I guess the way his contract was front-loaded, you have to keep him this year. But, you know – It was only a million dollars. Well, well, then it doesn't worry matter at all. Then, nope. <laughs> I guess you, you keep the three quarterbacks in. Sure. Uh, I mean, we'll get we'll get into how this draft is going to affect the depth chart later on. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to take right. still a little bit more of um, a little bit more analysis, mm-hmm. um, and that's obviously going to change as free agency continues on. Uh, this is where the second wave of free agency is going to hit. Now the draft is over. You look at the holes in your roster and you start adding. Right. Um, in the fourth round, the Giants selected Wayne Gallman, the running back from Clemson. I'm a little bit torn on this one. He's six feet two fifteen. Uh, he's he's a pretty big guy. He's a quick one cut slasher. He's got a very good jump cut, jump cut, and he's very fluid in the open field. He he does catch out of the backfield, but he lacks breakaway speed. He often runs a little bit too upright for my liking. And the thing that worries me is that he needs to develop pass blocking because he did almost none of it at Clemson. So the question is, what is his role on the team? Yeah, and I also question how much different he is from Rashad Jennings, personally. Younger and cheaper. Well, that's, that, probably that's it. true, yeah. That, that's probably the only two things that, you know, but again, we bitch and moan for the last two, three years that Rashad Jennings offered nothing, and now we just got a younger, cheaper version of it. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's very possible that, you know, that extra running back in the mix is on another team right now and about to get cut we'll, we'll see what happens with him but well, again we'll see also because i, I mean personally I, I think even paul perkins is not all that different from rashad jennings other than being younger and having a better jump cut but i think so does wayne gallman but you know if you look at the atlanta falcons and what they have and their two running backs they're not all that different either one's just a better bit, skilled yeah but I, <laughs> but i don't think it really matters that they have necessarily mostly the same skill set you don't need everybody has ever thunder and lightning. You know, I know the Giants love to Giant fans every time they see anything close, they're so quick with the thunder and lightning, you know, slogan. But, you know, if you got two guys who do the same thing very well, you know, that that works as well, you know. Well, I also think there's something to be said about being able to run your full book of plays even while subbing out your running backs and letting them catch their breath. You know, I'm I'm okay with being able to run the full the full playbook no matter who's back there. That's that's actually an advantage in my opinion. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think the giant running back rotation is definitely a work in process. And I don't think the final pieces are, you know, on this roster. I mean, we're going to hope for the best that Shane Vereen is healthy, you know, which, you know, is still really to be determined. Um, and let's see how Paul Perkins is over a full season where he's the man. I mean, he really wasn't the man until 
week what 14 something like that it was, it was pretty late so was he just had uh, one good 100 yard game and that's going to be what he's known for is he going to guys going to be able to handle you know 15 to 20 carries a game and be able to pass block more and protect the ball and you know it's to be determined so yep the fifth round the giants selected avery moss defensive end from youngstown state avery moss uh 6'3 263 pounds he's got decent size uh for a guy who's only 6'3 to be on the defensive line he has strangely long arms uh but he's fast off the edge and he has good hand usage and punch he is from what i can tell fairly highly developed pass rush moves um he was he comes with some maturity red flags. He was kicked off of Nebraska squad for indecent exposure twice to the same woman. Um <laughs> hell, hell of a woman. <laughs> what what you'd like to see when you move from Nebraska to Youngstown State, which is one of the better lower level schools from what I understand, is the ability to dominate at that level, and he certainly did. He had ten and a half sacks and seventeen and a half tackles for a loss. Um, he's going to need to add some strength and hold the edge better against the run, but he's he's pretty highly developed as a pass rusher already. And I, I was pretty impressed looking at his tape because I thought this was a. I, I wasn't really sure what to make of this pick until I watched this full tape. Yeah, you want to see. You know, it's so tough to tell when you're playing against inferior talent. You want to see good fundamentals. You know, as much as dominating too. So. Um, again, he's he's a guy that can potentially help add to the depth and the rotation on the end. So, you know, again, I wouldn't uh, put my bust in Canton out for him just yet, but he he does have a potential place on this team to be a valuable, you know, guy who can spot them for a blow or two for a game or for a series. Sure, yeah, um, and we'll see how he develops with strength, um, and conditioning. At you know, I'm sure it's very different from Youngstown State at uh, Meadowlands. Sure. <laughs> uh, in the sixth round, the Giants traded away their seventh round pick to move up and take Adam Biznawadi, offensive tackle from Pittsburgh, the left tackle at Pittsburgh. He's going to be a little bit interesting. Um, he fell even though he was a left tackle because he he just he looks very stiff. Um, he was reliable at Pitt, and Pitt had a pretty pretty darn good offense last year. But a, a lot of his matchup wins were. Just because he had the tenacity to stay with it, he had the motor. He's he's a nasty blocker. I do I do like him, but he he lacks strength, um, and he doesn't really have the uh, the ability to bend and get leverage. He could continue to play tackle on the right side. He may move inside. I'm not really sure. This appears to be the Giants doing the. We'll take any offensive lineman that we can get and throw him out there and see who wins, kind of thing. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh... I wouldn't start starting the uh, the competition at left tackle is going to be starting with a guy like this. And, you know, it might be par- partially a developmental pick and partially competition, you know, but, um, you know, let's see what he does out there. Yeah, I I, I do think that he can make a, a serious impact on the roster. He also could be a throwaway. Um, but, I mean, it's okay to throw away a sixth-round pick uh, for an offensive lineman. So Sometimes well, they surprise you. I mean, Bobby Hart was a seventh-round pick. He won the starting job. Well, we made more than an investment. I mean, we traded up for him too. So they're putting a little bit of their, you know, chips on the table with a guy like this. It's not just like your standard six-round pick and that's it. It's like they made a, a conscious effort to get this guy too. Yes. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see whether he winds up inside or outside. I could see him playing either the tackle or guard position, just the way he plays. He is very stiff, so he might be better suited for the inside. But he also he also won on the left side a lot, despite being stiff. So you know he might be able. He just might just need better coaching. Um, you know he might have just needed more time to continue developing. It'll be interesting to see. Okay. The Giants signed a number of uh, undrafted free agents. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I am going to talk about some of them. Here's something interesting. The Giants signed one, two, three, four wide receivers. One of them was Travis Rudolph, a wide receiver from Florida State, who was he has an enormous production. He was an integral part of their offense. He fell mainly because people thought that maybe he didn't have the speed and athleticism to separate in the NFL. To, to sign him as an undrafted free agent is a complete win for the Giants. Um they, it, it, the critics might be right about him, but I mean, they're investing almost nothing in him. Right, and he, he gained weight too. I mean, I, I saw a picture of him recently. He looked like he'd gained a ton of weight. So, I'm not sure what his story is. Um, part of a great Florida State offense, you know, obviously, you know, very productive going from Jameis Winston and then through uh, Francois. But kind of surprising he wasn't drafted. I was pretty surprised too. I thought he might go in the fifth or sixth round, honestly. But here, the the other three wide receivers that the Giants signed. Keon Johnson from from Virginia, 6'3". Jalen Williams from UMass, 6'3". And Rob Wheelwright from Wisconsin, 6'3". And he had pretty pretty good production from a team with no quarterback whatsoever. Interesting uh, on the height on all these guys. Definitely, I, you know, not your same Beckham, Sterling, Shepard, you know, Victor Cruz size type guys. The, the Giants made a conscious effort. They understood what didn't work with Victor Cruz on the outside and what they need to complement their star power in Shepard and Beckham. They know they need somebody with size on the outside to win on routes. So we're saying that Brandon Marshall isn't that guy? I think that Brandon Marshall is that guy for the next year, maybe two years. That's all he signed for. All of these guys I don't think will contribute on anything other than special teams right away. I mean, they, they might be. I mean, Roger Lewis won a, won a roster spot. I, this is kind of like you're throwing a bunch of spaghetti against a wall and hoping one of the strands stick, I think. I, is more I could actually see Wisconsin wide receiver Rob Wheelwright uh, – getting a roster spot from what i watched at wisconsin last year i could see him actually getting it but i mean it's all sort of a crapshoot right now i have not seen them go out there and fight it out in otas yet you know there's a lot and the question the question is they beat out a guy like uh Tavares king for example sure that's kind of who you're that's who you're you know you're putting the goalposts at for a guy like for guys like this yeah so um and you know some of them might just take a year or two on the practice squad you never know some other notables, the Giants signed two offensive linemen that had came with some praise, and Chad Wheeler from uh, USC, 6'7", offensive tackle. Um, he was pushed off of draft boards mainly for character issues. Uh, I, I, from what I read, I couldn't find a whole lot on it, is that the cops were called on him, and he was possibly or probably under the influence of something and punching walls. <laughs> um, it it seems to me there's more to that story. There's no reason that that should have pushed him completely off of draft boards, in my opinion. Yeah, something seems up with that. <laughs> yeah. He did play left tackle at USC and was not a total embarrassment. So there's there's talent there, even if there's a reason he fell, you know, he wasn't one of the highly regarded tackles. So he's somebody who could certainly uh, find his way in the team. And the other one was actually, I didn't know this, but Mel Kuyper's sixth-ranked guard was Jessamine Dunker from Tennessee State, um, a transfer from Florida. Well, let's not get – let's 
I don't think he officially ever was a student at the University of Florida. He was a recruit, and I think he was never denied admission. So big difference. <laughs> <laughs> Jessman Dunker, um, he's going to need some strength and development, but he and he projects as guard. But he did play both guard and tackle at Tennessee State. He's impressive athletically. He's highly advanced for coming from Tennessee State. Um, and he was invited to the Senior Bowl, and he held his own pretty well there. I, I know that that's where he really started to turn eyes um, and entered into draft boards. But to be Mel Kuyper's sixth-ranked guard is, is saying something, especially considering that he went undrafted. So the Giants' minimal investment again. Sure, you take a flyer on a guy like that, and you see what he can do. You, know, yeah. you, you never know. He might be a... You know, somebody that's a, a practice squad guy could be maybe a, a rotational guy occasionally, so you never know. Sure. The only other guy that I really think I'm going to talk about right now is Jerron Jones, defensive tackle from Notre Dame. He fell out of the draft for character concerns, but not for arrests or anything like that. Uh, it was more questions about his love for the game. Uh, he seemed to be injured often, you know, on, on some things that he, he could have played through some of it. You know, the kind of things where you, you give a guy a plus for playing through injuries and you give a guy a minus for just always being on the bench with something. Um, he played a little inconsistently. But if you pull up his tape against Miami, he annihilated that offensive line. I know all Giants fans know that Miami isn't known for their uh, offensive line. But <laughs> I, I'm sure that he was the cause of more than one Brad Kaya nightmare for about a week. If you pull up that tape, he had... I think maybe three sacks in that game and about five tackles for a loss, all in one game. He did, there was no answer for him whatsoever, um, and he's a guy who projects to be a three technique, which is something that was missing from this from this roster. Um, he has a legitimate shot to make this team if he wants it. It's going to be all on him to figure out whether or not he wants to play football or not. Again, low risk, low re- low risk, potential high reward. So we bring him in and see what he does. Since we're talking about defensive tackles, the only other thing I want to talk about is Caleb Brantley. So Caleb Brantley fell to the sixth round. He was actually on the board when we selected Avery Moss, and I was really, really questioning why Brantley was falling so far. The report that I actually read just yesterday was a coach at Florida had said whether or not – or had told one team or it got out somehow that whether or not he was charged with anything in the ongoing issue with um, punching the girl in the face or pushing her or whatever – to stay away anyway. And that was very interesting to me. That makes a lot more sense as to why he fell so far. Who would that coach be? I have no idea. Do you know? You know Florida uh, better than anybody. I'm, I'm very curious who that would be. I do know one thing that the uh, Jeff Collins, former defensive uh, coordinator, is no longer with the team. He moved on. Uh, I'm curious if that's who said it. Uh, very interesting. That I know he had some consistency issues at Florida, but if this didn't happen. He would have been like a a first round fringy second round pick but some question about his consistency and a little bit about his inner drive um news to me that a a a florida coach would say those type of things so i'm curious who actually did say that how many of uh muschamp's coaches left already how much of his staff is is gone oh the only guy that was left from the only guy that was left was the quarterback coach and he left so there's nobody left in the old muschamp regime this is all mcawain's coaches now and randy shannon is you know moved on obviously from linebacker coach to defensive coordinator so it is very interesting but uh it it does make a lot more sense that if that if that got out from a florida coach somebody who's been with you know young man for the last three to four years then and also it doesn't make any sense because defensive coaches offensive coaches assistant coaches 
one of their big recruiting chips is look at all the guys we got in the league and look sure. where we got drafted. So it's not why the kind would, of thing that you lie about. Why would someone say it? So that to me, I'm wondering if this is a former coach who, you know, has no more ties to the school or no more, you know, uh, you know, investment in the school. So I mean, that I mean, could be, it, it could it, also it, be. slight consistent inconsistency issues. And, you know, that is not something you would quote unquote stay away from. So no. there hasn't been any history of him having any other domestic violence issues or, you know, I haven't heard of anything going on that he's really done for him to warrant something like that. So I would take that with a grain of salt. It is interesting. I'm sure it played a part in his fall, though, because if all it took was a polygraph for Gary and Conley to be selected so high, if Joe Mixon could get selected in the second round. Yeah, uh, something strange is going on. Yeah, you know? there, there's something about Caleb Brantley that sits with 32 teams GMs. Um, yeah, and, and again, <clears throat> we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, too, that – the Giants are in no position from a uh, a, uh, a public relations standpoint to pick a guy like Brantley, whether he did it or didn't do it or it's being resolved or not. You know, after the Josh Brown situation, they don't want to get right back into the going from the jelly to the jam with something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not there. And it really what did it with the Josh Brown situation was that the Giants knew what was ongoing and they were, quote, comfortable with what they knew to to re-sign Josh Brown. So right. being that the the story was out about Caleb Brantley, about Gary and Conley, about Joe Mixon, they would have to be again comfortable with it and they don't have a good track record with that currently. Right. I mean and to be fair, you know, thirty one other teams passed on him five other times too in this draft, you know, and he he finally got picked in the sixth round. It cost him millions of dollars and, and who knows how much in endorsements and what, but I, I, me personally I would not have selected him. You would have been off my board. You know, I, I just think that, you know, the, the hit you're taking from a guy like that is just not worth it to me. I mean, Cincinnati has a reputation of drafting punks, you know, and whether it's Pac-Man Jones or, or or Nixon or something. It's just you just know the Cincinnati's and the Oakland's of the world are taking those teams. And guess what? Those teams still never win anything anyway, <laughs> even when they get the garbage. So I don't think that's the organization the Giants are trying to be. And, uh, you know. I think they made the right move in passing. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting how high I had him, and just just, just before we did the show, it it was what two days before we did the show that that news came out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you heard me, you know, pimping the Gator. I would have taken him or or Jared Davis, and uh, you know that kind of blew up in our faces. So just bad timing and just real stupidity. One other thing I guess I should mention, uh, the Giants did select a kicker. I don't know anything about him. He's from Canada. Uh, he went to the University of Montreal. I don't know anything about his kicking. Everything I said is that he had the fastest 40 time of the Canadian Combine, which I rank somewhere between... Beyond like, meaningless and super meaningless? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know they do have the uh, the drop kick. I think it counts for like two points in Canada, so if that means anything. Uh, I don't think it does. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna do it for us i'm the football grump you can follow me on twitter at, at football underscore grump or you can follow the podcast at, at just giants pod uh or you can send us an email at just giants podcast at gmail.com and you can follow me at the cranky fan where we talk all things giants and gators and rays and everything else that pisses me off on a <laughs> hourly basis so <laughs> all right that's gonna do it Go Giants. Go Giants.